Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. And welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Ian Child, and I'm here with Richie Clapson. Hello, everyone. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about what business skills you need to be a successful property developer, aren't we, Richie? Oh, we certainly are. That's right. I'm going to run through some of the things that you need to think about to be successful and get your property business in the best shape for success. Fantastic. Well, before we start, what's been the uh, the highlight of your week? Anything uh, anything interesting? Oh, wow. Absolutely. As always, lots of, uh, lots of interesting stuff. Uh, one of the things I did, I spent a bit of time talking to one of our students and and got them completely refocused, which was uh, which was really good. They you know they'd gone off track a little, and uh, needed to get them back on uh, you know on their journey where they needed to go. And that's that's always really rewarding. So Fantastic. that was uh, that was a good highlight of the week, I have to say. Also, I think uh, our recent little uh, car test drive was a bit of light relief from the normal workload. I would say. Ah yes. Uh, well, maybe I should share with our audience about how, uh, frankly, I've just recovered <laughs> from good, that particular it? experience. Um, for those of you that, uh, that are not familiar with Richie, uh, he has a very low car boredom threshold, don't you? We'll have a low boredom threshold full stop, but yeah, cars as well, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's linked um, rather unfortunately to uh, a test drive addiction, as I as I've discovered. So I've literally just about recovered from the, uh, the entire test drive <laughs> experience. But um, I don't know, Richie, do you want to just kind of tell the nice people about you know, this medical condition that you've got where you can't actually physically drive past a car dealership without actually going in for a test drive. I don't think it's a medical condition. It's just something I like to do. Yeah, you... <laughs> Richie tends to want to change his car, well, you'd say quite frequently, wouldn't you? So, for example, when the petrol runs out or, or when it needs hoovering. When it needs hoovering, you've got to move it on. But um, we, we, were, we were out and about, and I can't remember for the life of me what we were doing, and the uh, driving along this road and the, the, the wheel violently... Um, it just came out of my right. hands. We had to go in, didn't we? We had no choice. Into this large uh, car dealership. Um, and we thought, well, let's go and have this test drive. Well, one of us thought, let's go and have this test drive in this nice brand new... It was big... a new model, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a new model. Yeah. And we thought, we'll give it a go. And I thought, well, that, that's absolutely fantastic. So we went out. The guy was, was really amenable. He yeah. gave us the car for two hours. On our own, wasn't On it? our own. Uh, yeah, he'd obviously... It wasn't familiar with you. And... Um, <laughs> We went out for two hours and we test drove the car and it was... It was rubbish. (laughs) This was not a cheap car, I have to say, um, but it was rubbish. It wasn't that great. Uh, We both felt a little nauseous. We're not going to mention what it was, are we, though? We're not going to say what it was. I mean, it might not have been German. Other brands are available. (laughs) No no one can assume it was a German vehicle. (laughs) So, um, on the way back in to park the car up to go back and hand the keys back, we saw this other car that was a bit sportier, you'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was on their kind of uh, nearly new section. And significantly cheaper. Significantly cheaper. So we thought, what's not to like? Why don't we give, let's see if we could have a test drive in that. Yeah, yeah. So... We were we were chatting to this guy and we said, "Oh, we've you've seen that we've got this this particular model." Well, first of all, he said, "What did what did you think of the XXX?" Which we can't say what it is. Oh, it's not an X, by the way. Though. So, so he, yeah. we said, "Well, it was rubbish," and he went, "Oh." So we then obviously said, "Well, we quite like the uh, yeah the other one, the other one, um, which could have been German, but it might not have been. It might not be German." So uh, we then ended up uh, having this bizarre conversation where we could actually see, just looking out of the window, it was kind of there. 
And he was saying, well, I've got to, we've got one in our, in our Derby branch. I could get, get <laughs> that in for you yeah. next week. Yeah. And, we're, and we're we were thinking, in well, Basingstoke, weren't we? <laughs> and we're thinking, um, well, what about that one there? Oh, there's one in Reading. That's even nearer. I could probably get that one in for Wednesday. Yeah. And we're thinking, well, there's one there. <laughs> and in the end, we kind of bit the bullet and said, well, excuse me, you actually have one. Oh, well, we'll have to move some, um, move some cars. Move four cars to get it out, wasn't and so it? So we thought, well, that's kind of what you do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. He wasn't so, that keen. Um, we actually worked out, I think, a bit later why he wasn't quite so keen. And that was um, when we actually then went for the test drive in it. Because about half an hour later, he managed to get the car sorted out and it was, it was there. But because it wasn't a new car, he had to come with us. Yeah, the insurance said he had to sit with us, didn't he? Yeah. In the now, passenger seat. In the passenger seat. Now, one of the, the slightly uh, unfortunate things, this was kind of a sportier number, number and, and in the nicest possible way, he wasn't. Uh, he was quite a, a, a larger gentleman. Um, and we, 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 we had a few interesting moments. Uh, first of all, getting into the car, I had to manoeuvre it out so that he could get in. And then yeah. as we're driving up the road... He couldn't actually get in, though, could he? Just not, he just couldn't get <laughs> in it kind of wedged. And I was sat in the seat behind him with no leg room, which was lucky because I don't really have many legs. My legs are quite short. So I got away with that. Um, and then he couldn't get the belt on. That was, that was slightly unfortunate as well. So he had to he pull could, over. He, yeah. um, but anyway, so um, we, we decided to take it in turns for the test drive. You, I did the first... Uh, 10 minutes, because we were going to make it really quite snappy. Yeah. And, you know, I did the usual thing, twisty B-roads, you know, put it through its paces. It a smart car, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lovely car. Got the money. Um, got to a pub car park, uh, parked up, and then you and I swapped over. And luckily, uh, the sales guy didn't have to. He was kind of, like, wedged in. <laughs> he was, uh, but he didn't he have to move. wedged in. <laughs> but then, um, I think he was kind of thinking, well, <laughs> you know, it's going. It won't be long before I'm back. And actually, he got back a lot sooner than he thought because he hadn't. What he hadn't realised was that Ayrton Senna was about <laughs> to get in the car. I was test driving. Oh, goodness me! So I'm in the back. I'm in literally all over the back. The G-forces there. My cheeks are rippling. It's quite a quick car. As you, I mean, and we got to within. I must have been about 200 yards of the dealership, and there's this little roundabout. And um, unbelievably, with me, I'm not a small bloke. Uh, he's definitely not a small bloke. You I am. managed to get I am. <laughs> the back end of the car all over the roundabout. Anyway, what was that? So I, I was test driving. <laughs> you were test driving. And um, when we got back to the dealership, what was even funnier is that I've never seen the guy. He got out of the car. <laughs> he liked lightning. <laughs> he liked lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, took the keys back from us, and that was that. Anyway, Mr. Uh, Mr. Salesman, if you're listening, sorry to put the back end out on the roundabout, but, uh, you know, had to be done. So let's get back to business skills. Yeah, um, absolutely. So what are the biggest challenges for property people, Rich, in terms of, you know, business-wise? Okay, well, I think one of the uh, the very early challenges you get is is little or no experience of running a business, and that is a real problem. It's quite common. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a huge amount of really, really good training courses, as we know, out there, and... They train people in property strategy and how to, uh, you know, to buy a property and develop it and, and sell it on. But, but property development is a business. It's just another business. And, and unfortunately, very few training companies out there actually realise the importance of actually training people to run a business. So people have no heavy skills in that. So it's very easy to come out of uh, an industry or a job and get into development. You know, development is a very, very accessible uh, you know, industry to get into. And obviously you can make some significant returns. So people are quite tempted by that. But 
if you've only got the uh, the property knowledge, you've only got one part of the experience that you need. You know, apart from the mindset stuff, which we we, we often talk about, you need business experience experience and if you don't have that business experience you know, you're sort of fighting with one arm behind your back it's it's really quite difficult so basically little or no experience of running a business is probably the biggest challenge that most people face you know if you ask them what a cash flow was they sort of sometimes look at you if you've got two heads they don't know what cash flow means and the importance of it so i think that's that's probably the first biggest thing um you know people don't appreciate that any profit making project is a business so it's sort of linked to it because a lot of people say well i'm just developing a property yeah but but you are trying to make profit and you have to make sure that everything else is is running smoothly so all those other costs that you have you need to know all of those you need to predict all of those and you need to to have them all into you know sort of a number of spreadsheets now, you don't have to do all this stuff yourself but you need to know what you don't know which is obviously important of getting trained and then if necessary outsources to get someone else to do it and as i say cash flow so the sort of the third biggest challenge there is this cash flow, which I mentioned first of all there is that, you know, people talk about, OK, I'm going to make a profit at the end of this. Maybe I'm going to make a £100,000 profit, but they fell before they get to the end. And most highly successful businesses out there fell because of cash flow issues. Uh, it's called overgearing. They, they, they generate themselves too quickly. You know, they're highly successful. They, they've got a great opportunity, but they don't have enough money behind them to actually pay the bills here and now. And property is no different. In fact, actually, it's, it is one of the, the, the more difficult challenges to actually run the cash flow on a property development project. If you run it properly, it's perfect because don't forget you're getting all the money that's coming down from a development funding company. So you don't have to suddenly scratch around for additional money. So providing your numbers are OK, it's the timing. So it's the timing of when you have to pay money out compared to when money's coming back in. And it's really important that you, you, you plan all that out and you project it forward. And if you do that, you won't have any issues. But a lot of people forget, and they forget little simple things like VAT or having to pay some, some accountancy bills or pay some insurances. And suddenly, before they get the next drawdown from the commercial funders, they now need sort of another five or £10,000 to pay out. That's when they get themselves in trouble. And you've either got to find that or, unfortunately, you stop trading. So the challenge really is you might be sitting there thinking with a rosy glow that you've got this bottom right hand corner number that's looking that's going to look great at yes. the end of the day. But of course, all of your bills need paying as you go. Uh, and it's just making sure that you're positive um, from a cash flow perspective so that you can pay them uh, along the way. Yeah. Or you've got a facility. Maybe you've negotiated an overdraft facility to do that. But uh, absolutely, really, really important that you that you look after your cash flow. So firstly, no experience of running a business. Um, uh, you know, property business is just another business. And really keep an eye on the cash flow. Fantastic. So uh, what would you say are the most common mistakes that property people make uh, from a business perspective? OK, well, uh, I guess, um, you know, not thinking about an exit strategy. Okay. Um, now, what we always advise people is to have two exits. and But of course, that exit needs to be thought about from a tax point of view as well. So when you're actually exiting a property development, funny enough, I've actually got a meeting this Thursday on one of our projects that uh, we've got a joint venture on uh, with uh, with a landowner. And that landowner's got some different tax requirements compared to us in terms of exiting it. So we just need to make sure that's all tied up before we exit this, uh, this development uh, sometime early next year. So that's really important about how you're going to exit it. So I said it's in, in any business, you know, how do you get out? So, you know, and I uh, mentor or lecture people on businesses, it's, you know, know how you're going to get out of the business before you've even started, which a lot of people go, well, you know, I'm just getting going. But I always think it's ironic. You know, you get on an airplane 
and people tell you how to get off before you've even taken anywhere. You know, you go into a conference facility and they say, oh, by the way, we're not expecting a, a fire alarm, but if we do, the exits are here, here and here. So why in business should you not know what your exits are? You know, and as I say exits, not just one, but two, at least, um, before you even start. And that's really important. So in property, people don't think about their exits. And that's that's really key. And just picking up on that point, Richie, about having two exits. I think, obviously, most people, when they look at a project, are very focused on on plan A. Uh, that's the one that makes the most money. That's the one that is the, 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 one, the path they're going to yeah, follow. Yeah. Uh, this this concept of having a further uh, least one exit an other exit strategy um can you give us some some examples of that how how that might stack up well in in terms of uh you know in property you might want to be holding something as an exit it might not be your preferential route so if i took a scheme let's say you were developing our uh six flats and what if something happened within the marketplace in your area and you weren't able to sell those six flats either for the money you want or you just couldn't sell the last two or three or something. Have a strategy in place that you can hold them. Refinance them and hold them. So maybe for six or 12 months. So that means a strategy that you've discussed with your investors, be it commercial or be it, be it private, particularly private. So you either can keep them in the deal for a little bit longer and you all hold out to get the number you want. So it could be a refinance. It could be at the very early stages if you don't get planning for something. So if you might have a, a PD scheme, but you're going to go for some extra over with some planning gain, you know, you, maybe you've got another exit for that. But actually, you've got two schemes up your sleeve. So I think exits is, is, you know, can come from a number of ways, but just think that actually what you always plan doesn't necessarily always come out at the back end. So it's, it's thinking of those what-if scenarios and then planning for it. Absolutely. Fantastic. I think carrying on with other sort of common mistakes, not having a business plan, absolutely key. People don't have a business plan. comes back to this excerpt. They, they, they don't realise that, well, it's a business. And a business plan can just be on one page. You can just have a one-page business plan, which is something I teach a lot, and certainly something we teach on Property CEO. Keep it, keep it live, keep it real, keep it working. But a business plan, why are you doing it? You know, what's the exits, what's the key numbers and what's the key actions that you've got to be doing over the next three months, six months, a year, etc. So business plans are really important. Um, coming back again to cash flow, you know, common mistakes. I keep bringing it up, but, it, you know, I don't make an apology for this. Cash flow is, is really, really important. People make the mistake of not thinking about that. And then I think um, just control of the numbers overall. So, you know, parking aside the cash flow, assuming you don't have a cash flow problem, it's just all these little extra numbers that can creep into your project. Suddenly, you know, there's an extra solicitor's cost that you didn't have, you know, another thousand pounds come in here. Maybe there's, uh, you know, you've, you've found some unknowns beyond your contingency. Maybe the project's overrun a little. All these things have cost implications. Maybe you've changed your mind. You know, maybe your agents come down now and said, well, why don't we look at spending a little bit more on the bathrooms? Because I think we're going to get a little bit more back. OK, you've got to put that money in and you've got to know whether you think that's worth it. So controlling all the numbers and particularly VAT as well, because most of these projects are VAT rated. And one thing actually to bear in mind, um, property development businesses uh, are notoriously slow for obtaining their VAT numbers. So, you know, I've got a project at the moment which has now been going for seven months. We still don't have our VAT registration number. Right. So from a cash flow point of view, it means I can't claim that VAT back. I will be able to, but I, you know, if we, if we had to foresee that in, in terms of managing the process. So 
a best way to do that is actually get a good bookkeeper. I mean, you can do it yourself if you want, but, you know, as we talk about outsourcing and the beauty of outsourcing, so get yourself a good bookkeeper or a good accountant. This is what they do. They're familiar with these numbers. Well, I was going to ask you, yeah, what, what business resources uh, are useful for, for property people where they can leverage other people's skills? Well, bookkeeper, definitely. Um, I would say is an absolute must. And, you're, you're, you know, you're not talking a lot per hour. I mean... 15, 20 pound an hour, you can get a bookkeeper. Well, you know, that's that's really cost effective and it's what they do. Uh, an accountant, which could be one of the same. So your accountant might have bookkeepers, uh, but bookkeepers are often sort of self-employed individuals that would do this at that sort of rate. So definitely an accountant, get your accountant on board because we talk about these exits. And, and again, maybe alongside this, your tax advisor, which could be your accountant, could be someone different. There are very specialist tax advisors out there for property. Um, there's capital allowances and all sorts of other things that you can get in. So bring on these sort of specialists, accountants, bookkeepers, tax advisors, I think is, is, is absolutely important. And you mentioned the accountant there, obviously a very important role. Uh, what are the things that they can be picking up? Well, I think uh, in terms of your accountant, they, even if you don't have the business experience, and, 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 you know, OK, you can get trained on it. But as we all know, a lot of this takes experience. You can get trained as much as you like, but actually doing it is another matter. So most accountants, particularly if they've been around a while or running a number of businesses in your area, will have experience of running businesses, particularly if you're dealing with one of the partners there. They're like, you know, they're running their own business. So having an accountant on board uh, uh, and paying a little bit extra, don't just pay for them to do the books at the end. You know, which you can do, but you're shortchanging yourself. Pay a little fee for them to, to maybe to sit down at the beginning, maybe have an interim meeting with them. They can be a sort of your eyes and ears for looking at this as a business. And, and a really good accountant, you know, they'll save you the money that you have to pay them in, in bills and tax bills. Well, I think one of the things that I've learned is um, to your point about not paying the minimum, actually try and find somebody that's got that property experience. Because like so many professionals, you to, yeah, yeah you, you want people that are actually going to have got some experience of doing of working with other people like you, people that are that are, that are doing the same property stuff. Uh, because that experience really comes to the fore. There's nothing worse than, I think, being in a situation where you've you've got a little bump in the road and your accountant... Bump in the road, we're back to our test drive. <laughs> That's what it was on that roundabout. It was a bump yeah, in the right. road. That's Hopefully, why the back end went out. But there's nothing worse, is there? If, if, and your accountant just doesn't doesn't know. So I think I think there, and I think it's a good point, Ian, and we should emphasise that, is your accountant must have property experience. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a bit like going to a solicitor to do conveyancing to sell your property, but all they actually seriously do is, is, is wills and deaths. They're not the right solicitor. So your accountant has to have done property, uh, you know, work before. So that is really important. So that's a good point well made. So, you know, they play this role sort of overall in the business. They're more than just an accountant. And of course, as we've just talked about there, tax planning, tax structures, um, you know, tax returns and compliance. You've got to make sure you're fully compliant, otherwise you're in for hiding. But this tax planning is really important. So thinking of, uh, you know, all those points about from a tax perspective, how should you then set up your business? Well, I, the this is, again, going to depend on you individually and what else you've got going on in your life. So, again, going back to your accountant, your accountant giving you the right advice to decide. But typically, it would be a group holding company of some sort. So let's forget whether you've got any other businesses. I'll bring those back into the conversation in a minute. But let's say you were, you were going to do a number of developments rather than just a one-off. 
Um, so you'll probably set up a group holding company, which could be you and your, your family, you know, your husband, your, your wife, whatever. It could be you and a joint a, you know, a business partner. So this is something that's going to carry on for some time. So this is your holding company. That group holding company, which is just a limited company, by the way, can then own individual other companies that would do the developments. They're often called SPVs or special purpose vehicles. But, you know, let's not get confused. They are just limited companies. Some people do a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but no, they are just another limited company. And the reason that you have an individual SPV or limited company for a project, which, you know, you could call 26 Acacia Road Limited, for instance, um, Okay, even if it happened to be uh, 25 or, or 24? If it's 24 Acacia Road, you might want to call it 24 Acacia Road okay. to not get confusing. Oh. So good point, well made. Good tip there. Yeah, absolutely. You're full of them, aren't you? <laughs> We've got plenty of them coming out. So uh, the the individual SPV can own the property. So it can you can purchase the property through it. The private funding, if you're going to bring private funding, can come into the group holding company and then get lent out to the individual SPV. But the beauty and the really, really important thing is that the commercial funders only want to lend to clean companies. Okay, so basically if they're, if you're thinking, well, I've got an established business and I'm going to do it through that, then actually that's going to count against you because the lenders like to lend money to businesses yeah. that have no other interest, no other track record. They're just set up for the purpose of, of 26 Acacia Road. Yeah, and, and there's a reason for that because the commercial funders, particularly if they're lending, say, 60 70% of the purchase and 100% development, they have step-in rights and they need those step-in rights to protect their investment. So should you disappear, you become ill, you go run under a bus or you do a runner, the commercial funders need to better step in and finish the project. Now, if your project was purchased as part of another business, you imagine how complicated and messy that is. So there's lots of other people that probably got step-in rights and abilities. So, no, you have to have it a really, really clean. So there's no other tax implications, nothing else going on. So the investment company could step in if they had to to do that. And that's all pretty straightforward, something you, your accountant would be able to set up Absolutely. for you. Um, and that's, that's kind of something that happens day in, day out from a, a property development perspective. Yeah, and this it? is the point we mentioned earlier about getting the right people. You know, what resources do you need? A good accountant with property experience. If you went to an accountant without property experience, they might not think of a group holding company and SPVs. It might not be terminology they're that, that familiar with. So you need to go to the right accountant that's got that sort of experience. And the benefit of that, going back to your point about tax, is that uh, setting up the, the group holding company with the SPVs underneath, that's quite a tax efficient structure, isn't it? It is, because it gives you the ability, subject to what else you've got going on, so make sure you get your accountant's advice, but to move money around in a tax-efficient manner. So you can move money from your group holding company into your individual SPV, uh, which is going to be developing the project, and then ultimately when that's sold, you can move money, money back up to the group and reinvest in other SPVs. Without effectively incurring income tax yourself personally. No, because um, you're not drawing the money out of the company. Exactly. It's effectively staying in the group holding company. So it, it gives you this ability in the most tax-efficient manner you can to reinvest your money. But I think your point earlier, very well made, you've got to uh, get advice from your accountant on the best structure for you because one size doesn't fit all. Correct. It's going to depend on your situation. And obviously, we're not able to give people uh, financial advice, but your accountant most certainly will. So, you know, find one that's got that property yeah. uh, knowledge and experience. And I think, you know, some of the stuff we've talked about today, you know, if it, 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 you know, you can always re-listen to this podcast, jot a few points down. It gives you some questions to go and ask your accountant. If your accountant says, Absolutely. oh, I've never heard of a group holding company in SPVs. They've never heard of Richie Clapson. Yeah, they've never heard of me, thought. that's fine. But if they've not heard of group holding companies and SPVs, they're probably the wrong accountant to move on. 
Fantastic. The other thing is is um, security. So uh, let's say, you know, in the worst possible circumstance, there was a problem with one of your developments, a significant problem. And for whatever reason, you had to close that company down and liquidate it. Now, this, this, is, this is doomsday scenario. But what you don't want, of course, is it to bring everything else down with it. So this is, again, a reason that you, you package up individual developments on their own. So should, you know, God forbid you have an absolute serious problem in one of those companies, and it's very rare, but I know one or two people that have had that in the past, then that protects the rest of your business while you deal with that particular problem. So, yeah, group holding companies, individual SPVs, which are just limited companies, is pretty much the way to go. Fantastic. Uh, Richie, over the years, you've you know, taught and mentored hundreds of people, both from a business and as well as a property uh, perspective. What would you say, I and mean, if you were to give kind of three business tips to property people, what would they be? Uh, I think first, first and foremost, and it starts with business, is a one-page business plan. Now, I say one page, and that's really important. You can just Google these things, look them up. Uh, there's plenty of uh, different you know, variations out there of a one-page plan. But it's a, it's a workable document. Think of it, first and foremost, as a business, not as a property development. Take a one-page business plan. So you can download them. They, you can see how you can fill them in. And you know it, it will set you on the right track about thinking of your purpose, why you're doing it, what your vision is, what's unique. If you haven't got anything unique about your development, you're probably unlikely to sell it. Um, you know The basic numbers that you're trying to, to get to and the basic actions that you need to do to get to those numbers. That one-page document will set you up in a really good position, not only for discussing with your accountants, but your investors, be it private or commercial. So it's a whole working document throughout the whole thing, and you should follow that right the way through. So that's my, my first absolute top priority. And I think the big point there is that it's a one-page business plan and yes. not a 1,000-page business plan. Yeah, have you seen that one I had in the office once? What uh, my old business partner had done. Yeah, that was um, uh, actually I was with him the other week. I went and had a had a drink with him in London, and uh, yeah, we we reminisced on that. I think it was two documents, probably two or three thousand pages each. Wow, immense, fantastic bit of research, but didn't really use it. So a one page business plan is something you would use. So I think that would be would be uh, my first. Um, I think uh, have your personal goals linked to your business goals. Now, okay. people might say, well, what's, what's all that about? Well, well, why are you doing this? Okay, There is an element of risk in property development, as we know. We know there are some fantastic returns. Um, if you get it right, it can be reasonably plain selling, but inevitably there's going to be a few stressful periods. So you know, you, you've got a bit of a road to go down. Now, anyone who's run their own business, be it property development or whatever, you know, knows the highs and the lows of running your own business. And the highs are fantastic and the lows every now and then give you a little bit of a kick. Now, when you're at one of those lows, you need to know why you're doing this. So your personal goals are really, really important. The last thing you want to do, and I think this is for a lot of people, we've, we've you know, one of our podcasts before, we talked about property strategies, whether you should be on HMOs and buy-to-lets and development you know, you know my school of thought on this. I'm not interested in buy-to-lets or HMOs. Nothing wrong with them. Service department's even worse in my mind. Nothing wrong with them, but it's a job. And I don't want another job. Whereas development enables you to spend relatively small chunks of time to get a relatively large chunk of money in return without having tenants and hassles and all those sort of things. So you need to re- you know, realise what your personal goals are. And my personal goals are very much wanting to spend a lot of time with my family, um, been able to work sort of the hours I want and not be dictated by tenants and other, other things. So understand your personal goals, 
of why are you doing this as a property journey? So link those two together, I think will be my second one. And I think thirdly, control the cash. You know, this cash flow, have a cash flow sheet um, or get your bookkeeper. I think more importantly, unless you've really got the experience, you know, for £20 an hour and probably to run a single development project, I don't think you'll need more than two or three hours a month. So £60, and let's say that run over 10 months, £600. Let's say it's £1,000. £1,000, and if you're potentially going to make 100000 not only will it, you, you'll be certain that your numbers are going to be correct, but also that's a whole load. I mean, what a bookkeeper can do in two hours will probably take you the day, yeah. and you'll probably get it wrong. So, so it'll save you a lot of time. Yeah, unless you are a bookkeeper. This is all about leverage that we talk about. So control the cash, and, and, and my view would be put it in the hands of a, a really good bookkeeper that's linked to your accountant so that so you know, you're getting the information back up the line. You know, there's... Um, there's a lot of software out there, you know, Zero, QuickBooks. There's a lot of stuff out there, and people say, oh, I could do it myself. Yeah, sure you can. Fine. You know, I, I, can, I can hoover my car if I want, but no, I just go and buy another one. But, you know, if you can leverage, <laughs> if you can leverage out, then that's what you ought to do. So Absolutely. third is control the cash. Fantastic. Richie, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this episode. Uh, join us again next time when we'll be giving you the inside track on another part of the property world. In the meantime... Uh, feel free to check out our other episodes and you can visit us on our website which is uh, propertyceo.co.uk but until next time it's goodbye from the yeah goodbye thank you